0: Coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
1: And I was on an island called Alderney, very small island, so you got the big ones, people probably heard of uh, Jersey and Guernsey. Right. Famous for cows and milk, and, and I was on a smaller one with, I think it's one mile by three miles, so. Oh, wow. Pretty tiny, but 17 pubs and restaurants. <laughs> you have to love that, yeah. A great place to start my career.
0: We have a common friend, Eric Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about you oh, and he said dangerous. that, yeah, no, I, I can't, I can't repeat all of it, but he said that you used to do a trick with a Guinness pint and make it taste just like a Bud Light. So you just like pissing it. No, oh, no. <laughs> oh, God,
2: honey.
1: You know, the, the old story is about, you know, Michelin style restaurants not having salt and pepper on the table. And if you right. if you dare ask, they would throw you at the restaurant. Now, I understand that from a chef's point of view of your ego is like, this is how I made th- this dish. You know, this is how it's meant to be. But life isn't like that anymore because consumers are paying, to me, Mm -hmm. they get the final choice. So people could put ketchup on my food. (laughs) It's annoying. I put ketchup on food, though. So it's like, it it hurts your ego a little bit, but. You don't put it on steak, do you? On steak? No, I.
3: Coming to you from
2: St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown.
0: Hi, I'm Kevin Godby.
2: And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today.
0: Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete.
2: And be sure to check out our website st petersburg foodies.com. there you'll find great information including restaurant reviews the largest st pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated and information on the newest restaurants in town we are locals that live in downtown st pete and we've been eating our way through this town for years so you don't have to but you should
0: We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Mike Crippen. Mike was the chef at The Moon Underwater for 20 years, and now he has his own place, Studio Public House.
2: After the interview, we make beef ragu with a chuck roast from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. We We have have a a great great show, show, so so stick around. around. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media.
0: You know, the Tampa NPR folks.
2: Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't
0: tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene.
1: The Key Lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called Limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that
2: brackish well watered taste they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore so they
1: wanted them in all their ports in the tropics so they took the seeds and planted them so that's how we ended up with key limes down here
2: we invite you to listen to the zest on your favorite podcast app or at the zestpodcast.com. tell, tell them
0: saint pete foodie sent, sent you
2: saint pete is all about local and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary Roland Oats Market and Cafe was founded in July of '94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' has a cafe open daily which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today.
0: Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North, and in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North MacDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at RollinOats.com. That's
2: R-O-L-L-I-N Oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup.
0: Hey Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there?
2: Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes
0: are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly, glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG.
2: Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits. It's
0: so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for the fried chicken. I love it. Yeah. And the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, best casual dining, best pizza, best Bloody Marys, best meatballs, and, believe it or not, best salads.
2: Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Oh,
0: man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love, and the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. our guest today is one of saint pete's favorite englishmen he's best known for being the chef at moon underwater for 20 years and he recently opened his new place studio public house please welcome chef and restaurateur mike crippen welcome mike Thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome to our last episode. I just heard that. Yeah. Very excited. <laughs> I, I, I said,
1: take this it, job and shove it. Well, it may have been the last episode anyway. Even if we didn't plan it after having me on, <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> I doubt <laughs> right. that very much. <laughs>
1: so, I understand
0: that you are originally from Manchester, England, and you're a huge fan of Manchester United. Of
1: course, the only team in Manchester. <laughs> <So> I'm actually <laughs> from a place called Colchester, which is probably about ten miles west of Manchester in between the towns of Warrington and Lee. Mm, okay. You know, people like to be particularly when they know where. Anything. Right, Greater <laughs> Manchester, even people can't.
0: Right, and I just learned in preparing for this interview that pub is short for public house. Mm-hmm. Oh, didn't know that. I didn't know it either. And also I just learned that your new place was once a recording studio. Yes, that's the studio. studio.
2: It's the name. Hence <laughs>
0: Studio Public House, yes and and also that explains why you have the uh record and music theme decor and menu item names also. yes we
1: have some little nods to different artists mm-hmm. and we have a strong art connection which came from the previous restaurant right. pom-poms where we hang uh art for like a lo- lot of local artists mm-hmm. and for charity artists uh so once we found out we had the recording studio connection and you know the kenwood and grand central vibe uh, studio is just perfect
2: yeah totally.
1: and we, we always wanted to have a public house um, in there to reflect we didn't want to be a bar or a grill or so hard to find an original concept now without being a deli. you know everything's kind of taken but not many public houses and right. it, it fits in yeah. with my background
0: yeah i always appreciate their creativity anybody could have named it studio pub
1: Quite. Yeah, we were against tavern. We had a lo- we had a long time during. I'm not going to use that word, but when everybody was stuck at home, uh, <laughs> to plan and replan and and look at a lot of different things on the menu and the name. We changed name. We had probably at least twenty names written on my big war pad we had in the stuck to our window in in our dining room. Um, and actually, we were actually having a drink one day with some friends who we've been bouncing ideas around and it was kind of, as soon as we said studio, it, it just clicked.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You just knew.
2: Yeah. Perfect.
1: Well, I thought I knew because when we originally did the name, uh, we were going to be called the filling station because <laughs> the building is also an old gas station.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of those around.
1: And right. I like the double meaning of filling up and, and food. So that was a strong contender until my wife said, I don't like that name.
0: <laughs> okay. and your wife is Allison Allison or, or she's
1: not only the wife she's uh, the you know 50% partner in the restaurant we run it together mm-hmm. uh, she was obviously at the moon as well with, with us for 20 years she's mainly her strengths are in admin and background in the back of house um but now she's had to learn to be a server and a bottle washer yeah. and a <laughs> cleaner just like me. And, ma- and she's actually head of maintenance and design, which when you see all the stuff at the restaurant, all the cool records and stuff. There's a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. There is. That's all wifey. I'm just the cook. <laughs> and, you, and you still have
0: the record player also?
1: We do. We do. We've had to bring it inside for the summer because the, the records are actually melting when we had it outside. <laughs> oh, no. So limited access at the moment. Um, but that'll be back, as soon as the weather cools down, that'll be back on public view.
0: So you studied culinary in uh, in England?
1: Yeah, back in, back in a, a, um, you know, in, in England, we call them catering colleges. They're not culinary schools. But I went to Lee, Lee uh, Catering College back in mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where I started. I uh, got my diplomas in city and girls from there. And then went straight into work in... A hotel in the Channel Islands, uh, which are a group of islands just off the coast of France. So they've got big French influence, but they're actually part of the UK. Mm -hmm. And I was on an island called Alderney, a very small island. So you got the big ones, people probably heard of, are Jersey and Guernsey. Right. Famous for cows and milk. And, And I was on a smaller one with, I think it's one mile by three miles. So Oh, wow. Pretty tiny. But... Seventeen pubs and restaurants. (laughs) You have to love that. Yeah, a great place to start my career. So I worked (laughs) in a a place called a Roll Connaught, which is a very famous one in London, and uh, I was in the one in Aldeney as a as a commie chef. Nice.
0: And you've cooked uh, all over, besides Channel Islands, also Canary Islands.
1: Yeah, I lived in Tenerife for six months. I uh, oh, nice. Wow. I was almost like a chef tenant manager for. A group of restaurants and bars which were owned by a Welsh gentleman uh and i kind of oversaw four bars and made sure filled in the gaps i was originally hired uh, hired as a as a chef there failed the interview
3: <laughs>
1: and then a day later he said i've created a position for you kind of overqualified why do you want to come and look after all, all the places and look after the chefs for me and it, it was a great six months
0: great that's pretty cool yeah yeah
1: my wife wasn't happy because we just got together and I, and I was supposed to go to meet her family and at the last minute I said I've got to fly to Spain for six months to do this contract <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. and she still married me uh, yeah. yeah
0: thank goodness good for both of you <laughs> when why and how did you come to the US
1: so originally we came just visiting I met my wife and um, and then I met Alan years ago, who is now you know, who was the former the, owner of Moon, yeah, yeah main under Moon Underwater. and Water, uh, and he offered to uh, sponsor me uh, to come to become the chef there. And uh, it took a little while because visas, as we'll probably get into later, when we you know when, when we did the transition from Moon to Studio, uh, visas are complicated and make no logic no logic for you know most countries. Uh, so we got the visa, and then I started with Alan as exec chef uh, back in 2000, I think it was.
0: So you're an English citizen with a with US a, visa.
1: It's what is not, yeah, a US visa, and I, and I still have the same visa now. I had to, uh, had to, re, you know, had to reapply and get it, you know, transfer not transferred. I had to apply for my own visa. So my original visa, I was connected to Alan and the Moon Underwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as the Moon Underwater sold. Me and Alan both were given sixty days. Oh wow! Six zero. That's
0: not a lot of time wow. to
1: clear up twenty years of. Oh man! Houses, businesses, very stressful time. And uh, this was just uh, pre uh, lockdown,
0: right? And let's throw buying a new re- restaurant on top of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you know, then um, you know, we actually realized that one of our best options, uh, apart from my wife divorcing me and marrying an American. <laughs> was to carry on in the restaurant business. Uh, but we had a limited amount of time. So, so
0: what what are the other rules for that besides the sixty days?
1: What we did, we took a visa extension. So it wasn't uh, as desperate as it sounds, but why were uh, when we did the visa extension, you're not allowed to work, you're basically a visitor in the US. So Oh wow. So we had a six months which gave us six months to find find a restaurant. But you know, no pay and, and no, actually no travel back to you to of leaving the country. Oh, and wow. then and then lockdown happened anyway, so everything kind of got put on hold. We we had to extend again, but a lot of our paperwork was trapped in England mm. oh, wow. because of the situation, right? So even though we found pom poms back in January of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we never com- we, we did the purchase agreement then, but we never actually completed until october oh wow so oh, wow yeah because we couldn't physically move paperwork around because it was stuck in embassies and yeah so lockdown was not only lockdown for us it was also stress of completing a uh, you know right our first buying our first business as well
2: so, so then after the purchase went through you were able to apply for your own visa through the exactly the, and everything's
1: and everything's connected so mm-hmm. right uh, we we we'd, we'd actually put the application in we were pretty sure it was gonna be approved but then everything shuts down there's no communication with embassies and and things like that right and then um, and then you you kind of play a little waiting game mm-hmm so is it all done now yeah it was all done back in September we went back to UK Stamped the stamp. What needs to be stamped came back in October. Uh, signed the purchase agreement, which had been previously agreed ten months earlier, <laughs> and opened the next day.
0: Right, and and originally you kept it as pom poms yep. with the same menu because, yep. uh, as we all know, people don't like change. You have to ease them into it.
1: Of course, and we like uh, there's a, a, a few things in pom poms we like. We like the tea. We like the sandwich concept to a degree. Uh, we actually liked the building and a lot of the quirkiness about it. And we wanted to meet our customers. Mm. Um, we realized we were moving into a neighborhood as opposed to being on beach drive. Right. Right. We wanted to meet those people. And we wanted those people to meet us and see what we're about. So that when we eventually did the transition to our, you know, uh, our final ideas, which we are still in and we, and we still have that theory, but you know, people are going to trust us with, um know what we're doing to the restaurant we're not just going to close change everything and, and say uh you know this is a new concept so mm-hmm. it worked well it was it was like running two restaurants for about three months which made yeah. it super hard on on us and really and hard on the staff because you know they they had to learn my menus which were coming in as specials and they had to and we still had to respect the brand of pom-poms right Mm -hmm. so it was almost like running two restaurants for a few months but i knew it would be worthwhile the extra effort would be worth it um not only for the the local traffic and and people meeting us, but also for which has been a massive change for me since leaving the moon just in that one year the the traffic you get from social media and the internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that kept a good flow for us and um so it, it was worth it it was hard work but it was worth it
0: good so before we get into uh the details of the current studio public house i i know we have a common friend eric jacob Mm-hmm. And I asked him about you, oh, and that's he said dangerous. that yeah, no, I, I can't, I can't repeat all of it, but he said that you used to do a trick with a Guinness pint and make it taste just like a
1: Bud Light. Of so you just like pissing it? No, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, honey. <laughs> no, it's an. Uh, I've had this uh, trick for about twenty years by attendant. and what you do is when, and it always works well on Americans from a British America. point of view. You know, cause we're, you know, we can be beer snobs sometimes um, about, you know, ales and temperatures and, you know, this is, this was actually way before craft beers came into the US, you know, 20, 20 years ago. Um, so there's been a massive change in, in that respect that a lot of Americans don't drink Bud Light anymore. They, you know, they, I mean, they probably didn't back then. It was probably just pure British, you know, beer snobbery. But anyway, this is how you do it. When somebody returns there, well worn guinness glass which usually has a lot of uh residue up the sides mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you actually just grabbed a club soda or the club soda gun in the bar <laughs> and you put about four inches in the bottom of the glass you go a little stir <laughs> and it is the perfect color that is so of funny. most american light beers <laughs> i believe it yeah that is so funny that's great and that's nothing against light beers because we we also sell light beers at the uh, studio public house right.
0: right
2: i always order the smittics <laughs>
0: so yeah. there's two food areas I'm curious about, and I finally get to hear it straight from a true Brit. One is the uh, curries, like or quote, Indian food, and the other is fish and chips. Mm-hmm. So would I be correct in thinking that most, if not all, of the in- so-called Indian restaurants in the U.S. are really British Indian food and not India Indian Indian food?
1: Mm, I wouldn't say that. I'm sure, you know, I've eaten Indian food in New York and had um, probably the bigger the city, more, the more true to Indian food you possibly get, probably with Chinese food as well if you go to some of the big, you know, uh, Chinese, uh, you know, Chinatowns around the world. Uh, if you get it, you know. But no, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Um, I think in Britain there's a lot of, uh, you know, what you call premium food like tikka masala mm-hmm. and even, you know... I have a dish on my menu called a Balti, which is actually a British, a British version of an Indian dish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you go back to you know some of the, you know the cl- some of the classics like uh, Madras and and uh, biryani, um, those kind of dishes, you know, they're, they're authentic Indian dishes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: maybe it would be more accurate to say that some of the dishes that Americans know best, that they could name off the top of their head, like tikka masala. Yeah. That's Even I think
1: even butter chicken is one of those dishes. Um, If you go back, uh, however, this vindaloo is actually a Portuguese. Actually, started in Portugal, okay, Mm -hmm. because of the sherry and the wine trade, and the old uh, the wine trade. What used to go, you know, run from Spain and Portugal past South Africa and then into India. Those that spice trade created a lot of those Indian dishes. Right. So even a lot of, you know, a lot of those Indian dishes uh you know borrow from south africa even and um you know vindaloo being the portuguese ones which i didn't you know i didn't know till a few years ago yeah so i think i think it's like a lot of um foods and foods are you know everybody everybody takes something from from what's around them right and you know it just so happened that a lot of the indian dishes were taken two or three hundred years ago rather than the common day but a lot of modern indian cuisine is um you know unrecognizable
0: <laughs> right.
1: Uh, right you know like modern mexican cuisine is now great you know great to look at uh you know is you know more deconstructed and i think that's the way some of the modern uh, modern indian foods going in mean, some of the some of the big cities where where the restaurants are uh, catering to a different clientele let's say They're right creating to business people and corporate people and uh you know a lot of what's in the dish is not always about the flavor; it's about the appearance and uh, about the fashion right. of it. So. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But as far as my Indian food goes, it's pretty rustic. It's all about mm-hmm. it. it's all it's all flavors for me. Yeah, and a lot of my foods like that. Not too, not too many ingredients on the plate. Not too much messing around with the food appearance-wise. Mm-hmm. People have called it comfort food. I find that slightly boring. Uh, <laughs> I. I the the way I kind of uh, twisted that was it's it's food what people would find comfort in, mm-hmm. but maybe not comfort food down on that sc- you know down on that scale. So um, yeah, I think all my dishes are like that. Even even down to the new sandwiches we brought in, pom poms. I thought was was overcomplicated in a few of their sandwiches, even though mm-hmm. very popular and it works for the pom poms in Orlando. But when I you know when I looked at a menu I could recreate and add to and still be able to execute. Uh, that's why we put a lot of the original pom poms menu to the sideline as soon as we could, because it was time consuming and overcomplicated and it didn't, and it didn't need to be in my opinion. Right. Um, not, not that I was against some, we, we have, we brought in a lot of new sandwiches, which you've seen on the menu, which we've renamed, you know, renamed, but most of them are probably two or three less ingredients, Mm -hmm. uh, than on average what pom poms had. And I find that works better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's a good idea.
2: It, it's, no, it's a more approachable menu, right. in, my, in my opinion.
0: Right. So fish and chips. There's a couple of things I have on this. First of all, chips. Mm-hmm. Are chips the same thing as french fries?
1: Mm. Wow. French fries are them skinny things. What <laughs> french invented. Right. In my opinion, uh, chips should be more like a, what the Americans would call a steak fry. Yes. Steak fry. Oh, okay. Correct. That explains the it. the closest. Correct. Okay. Having said that. All my years at the Moon Underwater, the owner, Alan, who I love to death, he wasn't a big fan of steak fries. <laughs> so on many occasions, I tried to sneak him into the menu <laughs> every five years or so, hoping it forget. And they, they, in the end, steak fries became a, a second fry, which people could order if they so wish, but we still <laughs> stayed with the regular straight cut, what, what you call a... A French fry, and that's the great thing about owning in a restaurant is, Alan, that's his. That's what he likes, right? And when what you find out is when you're on a restaurant, sometimes you you got to put things on the menu you like, even if they don't make sense to everybody else. <laughs> right, your, your opinion counts because you're the one who's executing that. You know that, that restaurant,
0: right? So as we're recording this, it's only uh, a week before it publishes. Uh, currently, they're Is not fish and chips on the studio public house menu, but there's going to be.
1: Possibly. We are working towards that goal. Um, At the moment, uh, the kitchen I inherited is not set up. It doesn't have a hood.
2: Right. It It is another
1: another way I've had to be creative with the menu. Uh, It doesn't have a hood, so um, I am looking uh, closely at what I'm allowed to do with the city. And we are maybe going to do an extra hot kitchen on the side or uh, bring in a food trailer on a, has to be a temporary basis, but it can be fairly regular. And if we find the right, uh, the right setup, uh, I will be doing fish and chips. Awesome. I can't wait. In the long term.
0: Hope that works out. And also I was reading the Wikipedia on fish and chips and, According to Wikipedia, they say in 2003, there was a new law, I don't know if it was all of England or just London, I don't remember, but they said that you can't just say fish and chips, you have to say what the actual fish is, like cod and chips.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I can believe that. Um, usually, the general split down in England is uh, probably 60% cod, 40% haddock, and that changes, uh, you know, Britain's a very regional place. It can change within a few, just like accents change, you know, the same dishes can be made very differently. So, if you have fish and chips in the north of England, where I'm from, uh, it's pretty common to put them with gravy and mushy mm. peas and baked <laughs> beans and curry sauce. And when you go into London and there's no gravy inside, it's very mm-hmm. disappointing.
2: <laughs> right, because yeah, I remember now Moon always served it with peas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I ordered fish and chips quite a bit at Moon.
1: And the full extension <laughs> of that is to do with mushy peas, uh-huh. which are the Marifats, which are cooked down to a puree. Wow. Um, which is very, you know, pretty regional to the Northwest. So even in the Moon Underwater where we had a lot of British people come in, mm-hmm. it was still considered kind of niche to do mushy peas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, coleslaw is the big, you know, I think coleslaw is the American version which most people associate with fish and chips in America. Is, you naturally get a side of coleslaw, oh, right? Which I will be doing when when uh, when that day comes for the uh, fish and chips and cool. uh, and some nice homemade tartar sauces. Nice. nice. Do me
0: a favor, and let me know when
1: you have that ready. <laughs> I'm not, I, I've got. A, believe me, I've got a list of people I need to email <laughs> when the fish and chips come. Back. Um, I was.
2: Trust me, I live right across the street. I'll see it. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> resisting
1: the plan to do fish and chips, but um, it was going to be white further down the line, but. There's been a lot of clamour for some of those dishes, right. and it's just made me rethink the the whole hot kitchen concept. And you know, to get it done sooner rather than later, we right. have a, we have a massive list of things we need to do in that building uh, because uh, we just got, you know we we only redid the concept about fourteen weeks ago, I think it is now. We're just two people, me and my wife. We have no outside investment, which we're very happy about, uh, but it means that we have to do things in a in a careful manner, mm-hmm. so that we don't put too much pressure on the business, and, and that we have a small staff. We're very lucky. We have great staff. We haven't been overly affected with the current situation for right. the, for restaurant staff. We've been fairly lucky, I think. But still, whenever you add, you know, we ha- I think you you have to try and add it in an intelligent manner, and it's got to work for for us as uh, as the owners and and for the staff and for the customers, and you can. You can actually introduce too many things to customers without them even, and and they can get overwhelmed. Right, totally. I I think even my menu, I have now, the current menu, which will probably change again by the end of the year, is still slightly over-elaborate as I find out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, totally.
3: Right.
0: We'll take a quick break, get one of the last words from our sponsors on our last episode, and then we'll be back with more from Mike Crippen and Public Studio House. Studio Public House, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The Day Boat Special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more you'll also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept bait shop chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District, They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch, and at 5 for dinner.
0: One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete, they also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. Nine is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine, and you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too, so you can bring your non adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. Nine at the corner of MLK and First Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Engine, engine number nine.
3: We are back. We are
0: back. We are back with Mike Crippen from Studio Public House, formerly from Moon Underwater. Which leads me to not only did I talk to Eric Jacob, I also talked to Chris Danino. Ah, <laughs> Chris says I would definitely bring up his time at Moon and ask if he thinks it's ever coming
1: back. Hmm. Wow. Well, one thing I, I, <laughs> I must got quiet say. real fast. No, one <laughs> thing. I, one thing I must say because. Alan and Suzanne Lucas, obviously original owners of the Moon, very popular people, great friends of ours, great to work for and with. Uh, they wouldn't like you just calling it Moon Underwater. It's actually uh, the Moon Underwater. So F- full Moon Underwater? The Moon Underwater. So you got to in- include the 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 the. Moon underwater. Underwater. It? It's yeah. either the Moon or the Moon Underwater. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be Moon Underwater. Else, I'll get told off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, interesting. it's
2: like it's like putting an S on the end of Saint Pete, yeah. <laughs>
1: and it's in- interesting that it's Chris who asked that question because I know he's uh, he has a good inside track on the moon and the water. He he was a broker who who uh, handled the deal when it was sold to Caledonian. Mm-hmm. Who, for people who don't know, are uh, the same company who operate Rococos and ceviche, right?
0: And it, and uh, ceviche yeah. took over that spot yeah.
1: at yeah. this point. So, uh, the last I heard, I don't know speaking out of school, I went in shows the other week because I wanted to see the changes. I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job it on the building. It looks
2: beautiful. We haven't been in yet, but yeah. i,
1: I got great kitchen under now because I yeah. completely remodeled my old kitchen, which wasn't designed by me, and I inherited it. And obviously, chefs will always tell you they, they wanted to design their own kitchen, and it never happens. And uh, so, a lot of the little things I didn't like in that kitchen, uh, Lee... Carlin's who's mm-hmm. now uh, operations for Caledon uh, Caledon um, is it Caledon or Caledonia
2: it's Caledon oh I
1: call it Caledonia <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: call sorry, it whatever Lee. you want sorry Lee but uh yeah
1: so he's done an a, a awesome job on the kitchen and now and I did mention the moon underwater because I thought I thought somebody had you know from what I'd heard somebody had already uh was moving forward with the naming rights mm-hmm. um uh, but Lee says that's not happened yet. That was what he said to me. I don't know. Uh, but what he has told me is when they did the refit from and, and Chris knows this, Christanino, is when they did the refit from Moon Underwater uh, from Moon underwater to Saviches, uh, they uh, captured as much of the interior as they could. Uh, as in the night, you know, the awesome uh, mirrors, the wood, uh, the old signage, um so, a lot of that's in storage right now. Oh, cool. So, that leads me to think, if you're saving it, you have a plan to open it. Right. Right. Uh, what you guys already know about St. Pete and downtown St. Pete is there's not a lot of... Um, not a lot of secrets? No. No. <laughs> I don't know about that. But anyway, there's not a lot of property out there. Affordable oh, property. Right, So To reopen in a, in a location you want to. Um, so, I'm sure, the, I'm sure that's the big... The big thing they got to find right now is the right location. Um, so um, I personally think it will reopen. In the meantime, I'm quite happy to uh, bridge that gap at the studio and uh, feed those moon underwater people to keep them happy in the meantime. Yep. That's, that's that's as much as I know. Uh, I-, I hope it reopens because most people, what I've seen on social media and I knew when I worked there, have a massive man of love for that, for that right. restaurant yeah uh, not only was it a restaurant it was a meeting place it was iconic there's very few of those places and it was it was one study. of the first it was one of the and first, it was and pretty longest much running. A, on beach Drive, and it just had a it just had a great home uh, everybody has a story about who they met at the moon underwater <laughs> it, and how they got married or you know um their kids graduate you know did they graduate i i hear it every day at the studio when people come in with their stories about what was special about the moon and obviously the big you know the big thing what struck my ego is everybody who I see now was a massive fan of the food. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I can still do some of the dishes. On this subject, uh, I've, I've mentioned this to quite a few of my customers. I have a plan just through bumping into so many staff since it's been like a year and a half since I left there, maybe more. Uh, but I still bump into the staff on a regular basis. We had 60 staff over the course of 20 years, so you know, how many how many people i I made friends with and met there and worked with there. A lot of them have been into the studio to see me and eaten. people I've forgotten I'd even work with. And I still, you know, the big city of St. Peter's, as you know, a small city. Oh, where yes. You know, oh, yes. <laughs> um, so I bump into a lot of those guys. So I, I did have a, a conversation with a few of them about maybe just doing a a staff reunion.
3: Oh, oh and, not, cool. not,
1: and, you know, about having a few drinks and... You know, now, now the place is gone just to keep people, you know, to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And then, in my wisdom, I decided that we would make it for uh, old patrons as well. So, my plan is, uh, which you'll have to follow on social media, is probably one of the first two Sundays afternoons in October, I'm going to do a, a little moon reunion. So, in the afternoon, I'm going to cook a few of the old dishes, which probably... Mm will probably never make it onto the studio menu full-time. Uh, I'll probably put a poll out to see what people want. I'm sure some of the different couriers, I'm sure people ask for fish and chips, I'm sure pasties has been a big one, sausage rolls has been a big one. Mm-hmm. So whatever I can create in my little kitchen just for one day, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that in the afternoon. Um, I'm possibly going to do a outdoor fish fry. As cool. a... Uh, just a special thing if i have better facilities by then i'll do a different fish ride but if i can do a fish ride that day and do the, the old fish and chips just for a couple of hours we'll do that and then around late afternoon then we'll start the staff party and hmm. i think it'll be a great chance for the staff to reconnect and for customers who remember some of their favorite bartenders or favorite servers
2: brent and ernie
1: <laughs> brent and eddie eddie I and eddie, eddie,
2: yes. eddie. Oh, i said ernie i know it's eddie because he's at the birchwood yeah so uh
1: and actually i have one of uh, the best bartenders over there. linda lee uh-huh. uh is uh, actually working for me kind of on a casual basis right now because uh, she has other jobs um so she'll be back i still see eddie he works at the teak oh him and kathy yep. kathy was a bartender and a manager at the moon Mm-hmm. So I bump into those. Uh, I believe Brett's still at Oyster Bar. Mm-hmm. He's been there a long time. Um, uh, Miss Chris, one of the longest servers ever at the Moon on the Water. I think she's about 23 years and She's actually gone back to Ceviche's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, we'll see Miss Chris and a few of the others. Cool.
0: And some of the good news is that you can still get some of your favorite curries at Studio Public House. You can. And it was interesting. I I learned, I love when I I can, that I can still learn new stuff at the age I'm at, Mm -hmm. which I won't say. But I just learned last week from you that traditionally, and make sure I get this right, that the, because I was asking, I was saying, do you offer different spice levels? And you told me that traditionally, the type of curry, determines what the spice level is
1: yeah and and even even in england that has changed just because consumers are more demanding now but you know when i first started eating curry uh if you want an entry level nice and mild you go for karma and then you probably do a tikka masala and when you do maybe a rogan josh and you'd be at madras then you'd be at maybe Jalfrezi, a little bit spicy um, and then you go to Vindaloo, which is killer spicy, and Far, which is, you know, blow your head off spicy. And uh, now uh. and now my favorite newest curry, which isn't, you know, it's a few years old now, it's called the Naga, which is made mm. with the Indian ghost chilies. And oh. I discovered on a trip to England a few years ago. Um, so that's that's a great one as well. Yeah, uh, that, but, that would
0: probably be my limit, that one. That one might be. We actually have, we've had this for years, three, three or four years, I have an unopened I think it's Trader Joe's grinder of uh, the dried ghost peppers and I'm still afraid to use it because I'm afraid I'll put too much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're great. They got got such a... um, Even though they're super spicy and you probably got the smoked ones, I'm guessing. Yes. Which I've seen. They just have such a great flavor.
0: So I just have to make a big pot of curry and put a little bit of those and then add as I go. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's kind of what we do.
2: But you've got to be careful because they sneak up on you.
1: Right. Yeah. So... So people who who went into the moon all those years will know we had a a item called the enhancer, mm. which is basically a curry hot sauce I came up with, um, and we used to bottle it and we used to sell it as a dry farm as well. Actually, it was so popular. Uh, but the enhancer is uh, what was happening in the early days. People would order vindaloo, uh, the server would tell them this is a very spicy dish. They go, oh, "It's okay, I can." You can make it as hot as you like. I mm-hmm. can do spice. I have, you know, I, you know, the old, I have Tabasco on my eggs in the morning, which is I love <laughs> that American saying. Uh, right, and then the so we server go. Well, I'm going to let you know one more time. It's very spicy. And then they take two bites and go, "I'm not paying for this. It's way too spicy." Oh no! And this happened a few times, and uh, and then we decided to we made the enhancer and We wanted we wanted a a hot sauce that didn't affect the flavor too much of the curry. Right, you know, it, it it drifted into the curry. You you got the heat, uh, but you kept the same flavor profile of what you're eating. So you know, regular hot sauce, Tabasco, you know, like they, they, they have they, a flavor. They, yeah, they have a you know, they, yeah. they, they, they 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 sour the curry and things like that. So right. Right. we came up with the enhancer. It worked really well. And so what we did then was, anything past medium hot, we'd say, we'll make the medium hot. We'll give you the enhancer. Self medicate. Right. If you spoil your dish, you know you 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 are you are right. pre warned. But right. then, then Enhancer took on a whole new fan club as well because, you know, you got you did get to almost cook cook your own curry in a way. Yeah. And, and that's one of the first questions I got asked when I started in the curry is, do you do en- the Enhancer? So I brought back a version which I brought back for uh, St. George's Day uh, when we when we did the St. George's Day, who's a patron saint of England. Uh, we celebrated that day. And I did a Dragonfire curry because saint george uh historically he slayed the dragon so (laughs) i came up with this dragon fire curry which is was in essence my version of vindaloo and it actually stuck so we now have a dragon you know my version of the enhancer is now called dragon fire cool which is a curry flavored chili base and it's the same thing so if you're if you're doing a tikka masala and you and you want it hotter you just put a couple of drops in. now the hard thing is if you order vindaloo you, you can you can really not bring it back down, but you can do right. Uh, well, you, got,
2: you got warned, I think, two, oh, yeah. two or three times when you ordered it.
0: Yeah. I, for, I don't but, recall our server's name, but she warned me at least. I thought it was Allison. Oh, it was Allison. Yeah. Allison. Three, three or four times, she was like, are you sure? Yeah. It's really, and I said, I'm sure. And I loved it. The spice level was perfect for me. I did. I sweat it a little bit, not profusely. That's perfect
1: yeah you were slightly red in the face yeah that that,
0: that's what i wanted though that's what i wanted you want them
1: on you know the end off and it was
0: yeah it was great and it's interesting what you were just talking about previously one of the things i get so frustrated with is when i go to a restaurant and they say this is spicy and i try it and i'm like who is this spicy to Mm -hmm. doesn't seem spicy to me but then it's probably because they had the same bad experience where people were like, "Oh, this is too spicy. I can't eat this. I'm not paying for it." And, and, and that's probably what happened.
1: It's tough choices as restaurants to to make a dish totally the way you want to make it and have and hope that the customers trust you. You know, you know, back in the day, you know, the, the old stories about you know, Michelin style restaurants not having salt and pepper on the table, and if you right. if you dare ask, they would throw you out the restaurant. Now. I understand that from a chef's point of view, of your ego is like, this is how I made this dish. You know, this is how it's meant to be. But life isn't like that anymore because consumers are paying. To me, Mm -hmm. they get the final choice. So if people could put ketchup on my food, (laughs) it's annoying. I put ketchup on food though. So it's like, it it hurts your ego a little bit, but... You don't put it on steak, do you? On steak, no. (laughs) We have a a great steak sauce in England called HP, which... uh, but uh, I do not put steak. I like garlic butter on my steak. Oh, cool. Be, yeah, That will nice. be my way to go.
0: But yeah, no, I think that's that's a good attitude to have. I mean, you, you know, Laurie was telling me uh, about ego and how e- ego affects so many things, even when you don't realize it. But yeah. that's a tough one because, yeah, I could see on the one hand a little bit too much ego and like they're offended if the, you ask for salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. But then also I could see the other side, too. If you've have this training and all these years of experience and you pretty much know what you're doing especially if you got a michelin star or two Mm -hmm. or three i could see that side of it too but it's
1: if i I go to my favorite restaurants um you know mainly it's people i know and i normally don't order off menu. i normally order specials and you know to me take what you you know take what's made for you
0: yeah i that's i'm kind of like that too i want and 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 Worry, I, think. I
2: try very hard to be like that but i i love salt i love things seasoned well and uh sometimes it's not seasoned well enough for me but there have been several times in several restaurants in town where i'll ask for the salt but then i never use it i guess in philly was the latest time that happened right yeah
1: and if, also what you got to understand is people are out for lunch you know it's not always them there it's not always a, a dining out it's a, it's it's just a meal they're eating and they, you know, it's their lunch, and they want it to taste, taste how they want it to taste. Mm-hmm. So on certain dishes, uh, and and at the end of the day, the customers pay for that dish. So, right? Yeah. Um, everybody has their own little uh, personalities. So uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion, um, you know, give the customer what they want. But I mean, I'm also of the opinion that if you can retrain the customer without them even knowing they're being retrained in what they're eating, that's even more um, gratifying. But you've converted into a disc I never even knew they liked. Totally. Right, right, right. uh, And I think that's a better outcome. So um, that's that's kind of why I'm at on that.
0: Let's let's get into some of the uh, specific menu items. Okay. Uh, You have some fun names like Elton's Mm. Big Sausage Melt. I I assume that's not from first-hand knowledge.
1: No. no, (laughs) no, (laughs) This... So the, big, the, the Elton's Big Sausage Melt was the one name I thought would never make it onto the menu. So um, uh, the guy uh, Lance Lance Robson, who uh, helped me put format the menu, uh, put everything in its place. Uh, so I spent quite a few hours sat next to him, you know, moving items around and frustrating him and and redoing stuff and annoying him. Uh, but the name for the sausage sandwich was always the Big Elton, and it was always a joke. Obviously, <laughs> reference to uh, Elton John mm-hmm. and sausages, and um, probably not PC, uh, <laughs> but it was a great fun name, and it, the intention was always at the last minute to come up with a very more um, PC name, but we enjoyed it so much that uh, I just decided to leave it in there, and it it, it worked well, and uh, and then a lot of those a lot of those dishes we have really of just been when we've been doing a menu and maybe having a glass of beer or wine and letting the uh, creative juices flow. A lot of them are very much off the cuff, but a lot of them have have been thought out. So the Englishman in New York was kind of the catalyst um, for a lot of the sandwiches. uh, Because that great song by Sting, and obviously my English connection, Uh, we had the Englishman in New York, but then I realized we had uh, three flavors which all... Combined to that same sandwich, and they're all really popular. So then we did the Englishman abroad, which is more of a reference to me with the roast beef and the Englishman, and then my lovely wife Allison became the Englishwoman in Florida, or the Florida <laughs> chick, as we call that sandwich, and we made that turkey, and then uh, and then the rest kind of stem from there. and And we've been uh, mainly true. Uh, no, n- not too much investigation has gone into the names. So I was. Uh, a distraught customer told me that uh, on the vegan menu we have the, uh, the, the, the uh, Morrissey. Mo- um, Where is it? I've got to give it its full name. Oh, it's in the salad, sorry. And it's called the Morrissey uh, Burrata. Morrissey, as you well know, right. is a vegan. Mm-hmm. And that dish has cheese on it. <laughs> so I got told <laughs> off. So, but That's I like. A- and somebody actually said, do you think Morrissey will be upset if he sees that? Well, I would really like him to see it in the first place. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and there is more and more Morrissey in this, on this planet. Yeah. So right. It not it's not all about him. Some, some
0: of the other fun names on the on the vegan veggie part of the menu, Brian Adams' apple.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the story behind that one is we had a sandwich on the old pom-poms menu. And we have a couple of nods to the old pom-poms menu now. Uh, with permission of Pom Poms in Orlando, which I've got to put on record, were great people to buy from, very supportive, and really supported us through the transitional stage. Um, I promised to respect their brand, and they promised to give me a little leeway, because uh, originally Pom Poms was a franchise, which was never my intention, but you know, they realized uh, the way times were as well, coming out of lockdown, that everybody had to be a little bit more flexible in the buying and selling. So... Um, pom-poms in Orlando were super supportive so Brian Adams was um, a originally the sandwich was named after one of the local customers at the St. Pete restaurant for what I remember and he'd actually designed that sandwich um, but it wasn't called the Brian Adams apple and I, and I changed a couple of the ingredients but obviously Brian Adams the singer being a vegetarian I think he's vegan as well actually uh, was a was a, a an, an easy play on words for that one, right? Obviously, Linda McCartney was well known vegetarian, um, and Moby's a veggie and a vegetarian, but possibly all vegans as well. Like I say, not a massive amount of uh of uh investigation, right? Right, right, But but you know, uh, there's also a couple of spelling mistakes on the menu I'd like to point out. Um, to so Lance, if he's <laughs> listening, um, but. When we used to do menus at the moon, we used to send them away, uh, actually, and then we'd get the menu back, the first proof, and then yes. I would read it just mainly to get make sure all the food's in the right place, and then Alan would read it to proof that, and then Suzanne, who was the president of the Moon and Water, had final um, editing editing to spot all of Son mistakes, and we'd do that for every menu. We probably did 10 menus over the years I was at the moon. And every time we always got it back from the printers, we'd spent all this money that always be always, always a typo. <laughs> and then after this happened a couple of times, Alan had this great um, theory on it about, well, if people spot the typos, it means they're actually reading the menu properly mm-hmm. and they're interested in the menu. So we always decide it's good to have a deliberate mistake in there or an undeliberate one. <laughs> and if people spot it, we're so glad that they're noticing the menu.
0: Laurie's gonna be reading the menu now.
1: <laughs> so there is a there is a couple in, and you
2: know. Oh, I'll find them. Uh, they're not hard to find,
1: <laughs> ones. Uh But we love them. We're, 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 we you know we kind of um, uh, embrace them now instead of get to, burn out of shape. So th- my favourite one is the flat beard.
0: <laughs> the flat beard.
1: <laughs> instead of uh, I a flat presume bread. I presume we were trying to do a flatbread. I don't know if flat beard <laughs> is vegan, but it's uh, it's in the vegan menu, and that's probably my newest vegan sandwich, the deli boy, which is. Uh, is a nod to curry as well, so uh, as in Delhi in, in India.
3: Right, and, uh, right. And
1: that's a good new one. Um, but that's it on the menu. Not too many yeah. mistakes.
0: Yeah, so there's a bu- bunch of sandwiches. There's vegan veggie. There's salads. Mm-hmm. There are the curries that we spoke about. There is also bangers and mash. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think we got to have that next time.
2: Yeah, agreed.
0: Yeah. And so is there a plan for breakfast or brunch?
1: That is a plan. Uh, We already do brunch on Sunday, so we open at 10. We don't have a full brunch menu, Um, you know, because you've been in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I normally have at least four or five blackboard specials every day. Mm -hmm. Always the Dr. always homemade soups, homemade desserts, three or four uh, specials. And and the theory behind that when we first were in pom-poms was to introduce studio food to the customers, see which ones they like, which ones work, which ones I like. And that's kind of how my specials still work now. Uh, fifty percent, fifty percent of the specials I make are these great ideas I wake up with and then sometimes go to bed and realize not everybody likes them. And others and others really work. And when they they make it on the menu or they make it on, they make it onto the specials on a regular basis. And right. that's kind of how I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get too fixated on having a brunch menu per se at the moment. Uh, what we do now is we offer. Free sometimes four brunch style items on a sunday when we um as well as my regular specials and as well as a regular menu so previous weekend it was what i would like to put on record is we house cure all our bacon now so it's made in a uh, that kind of european style english irish whichever uh, da- danish style whichever you want to call it so cool it's uh could in less nitrates healthier as bacon goods that is, uh, mm-hmm. leaner. So I don't carry any of the uh, American-style bacon anymore. So i okay. uh, we'll to try that. So on the previous brunch, we've had a bacon and banger an egg baguette, uh, avocado, goat cheese on toast. Sometimes we do crumpets, which are an English mm-hmm. kind of bread, very hard to describe, easier to show, which isn't good on a podcast. They're kind of, a, <laughs> they are, they're kind of somewhere between a muffin, um, an aerated muffin. Uh, everybody from England will know what they are, or from Britain will know what they are. So we've done that, those top with different items like shrimp and uh, and hollandaise, and we we I play around a lot with the with the brunch stuff.
0: You make um, me hungry.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. As far as breakfast goes, we are keen to do breakfast. The Camwood uh, and Grand Center is crying out for breakfast. No, first. they are. Yeah. When
2: I moved there, I I'm like, let's ride up and down and see if there's any place around here for breakfast. And we drove up and down. I'm like, there's nowhere. Sammy and Paco's now has breakfast, um, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, so it all goes back to kind of the original, uh, what we are talking about, about the fish and chips and how we have to, uh, the way we're set up with uh, with ourselves and with the staff in the building and the kitchen, we have to do everything in increments, and I would rather wait, I, I did promise breakfast this summer, but I'd rather wait a few more months and do it correctly,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, right the first time, and... it may take longer until we find out what's going on with the kitchen, et cetera. Same with the fish and chips. So uh, it may take longer.
2: You'd have to have a hood for that.
1: (laughs) We want breakfast. Yeah. People want breakfast. My wife is desperate to do breakfast. So that means it's going to happen. Right. For one thing. (laughs) Awesome. It's just timing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the Studio Public House is in the Grand Central District of St. Petersburg at 2950 Central Avenue. The website is thestudiopublichouse.com, and opened every day except Tuesday. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think uh, by the time we get to the end of the year, cooler weather, I like to be open seven days a week. I like consistency. Uh, we've got a lot of things to do in that building, and uh, we only have two people, me and my wife, running it, per se, and, and the staff, obviously. So Tuesday uh, gives us a chance to have a day off. Right. Of sorts. Of sorts, And right. it also gives us a chance to improve things. Yes. Right. Excellent. So the summer is a great time to do that. I'm, I'm pretty confident, just like all the other changes we need to make, but uh, we'll be back open some days a week. And open late. You know, at the moment, there's a couple of days we close that last seed at 8 in the week. I'm pretty sure the way the dinner trade is going and people are finding us, we'll make that later. Um, and I think even Sundays will probably end up being later rather than just brunch. Right. Um, but like everything have we'll we'll do we'll do uh, we'll do it when we can do everything co- uh, correctly. Great.
0: Mike Crippen, thank you so
2: much. Yes, thank no you, problem. Mike.
1: Thanks for having us and for the last show ever.
0: Yes, <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't go away. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins. Or just mushrooms for vegetarians. And I'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah. Dat's restaurant in downtown St. Pete not only has some of the tastiest food, they're also unique and creative.
2: They're the home of comfort food with flair, a foodie wonderland filled with bacon, cheese, and housemade breads.
0: I love their shrimp and grits, which made our top 10 list. The trick is they use cream cheese and an Indian Makani sauce.
2: They also have a bunch of great burgers that use certified Angus beef. And two that they're famous for are the Cheesy Todd where instead of a bun you have two bacon jalapeno mac and cheese buns and then the double d where you have two whole glazed donuts instead of a hamburger bun
0: yeah it's crazy crazy yeah. i love the spaghetti in meatball ginormous meatball stuffed with spaghetti inside the meatball then served on top of more pasta they also have tacos fish and chips meatloaf pulled pork grouper sandwich salmon a great steak salad and tons more
2: They've got a huge location with lots of outdoor seating and the inside is as spacious as it gets, great for social distancing. They're right in the heart of downtown St. Pete on the very first block of the famed Central Avenue, 180 Central Avenue. Their website is datstampa.com and on Facebook you can find them at DATS for Foodies. Check out
0: DATS in downtown St. Pete so last time we made carnitas mm-hmm. and we loved everything about it except the cinnamon yes this time we got a beautiful chuck roast from saint pete meat and provisions and we made beef ragu in the slow cooker mm-hmm. and it was really good it was very good but we felt it needed a little tweaking it did and and that's because of the recipe we used I mean, right. the meat was great and adam davidson who is a artisan pipe maker and also a total foodie he said i made something similar yesterday in the oven but i also add a good heavy splash of worcestershire sauce and fish sauce for that umami thing and i think that's a great idea i would definitely try that yes and then other people said you should sear the meat first and i'm like i should know this because every time we've ever made a recipe at we've your house, always seared it first yeah and i would just I guess I wasn't thinking it was Sunday, I was tired, and it was in the morning because you're doing the slow cooker for six hours. It just didn't occur to me that even though the recipe doesn't say sear the meat, so that's a flaw in that recipe, I should have known. Right. St. Pete Meat and Provisions, they specialize in whole animal butchery. They have beef, poultry, pork, house-made sausages. Matt is having a little bit too much fun because he invents new sausages all the time. Mm -hmm. There's bison and lamb and veal, deer meat. What do you call it? venison venison thank you (laughs) there's cheese and charcuterie farm fresh eggs there's they do have chicken eggs but we like to get the duck eggs which Mm -hmm. are really fun because they're bigger and there's dressing sauces marinades there's fresh pasta that comes from il ritorno since it's next door it's the same ownership and there's the sauces two seasonings and rubs and spices and st pete meat and provisions is located at 449 central avenue in downtown st pete the website is st pete meat Dot .com and they are open 7 days a week Monday through Saturday 10:30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sunday 9 a.m. to 4 p.m.
3: This is Chris Walker.
0: On the website, we have a new review of Mi Careta Restaurant and Bakery. Careta means cart in Spanish, but this is much more than a cart. It's a great Colombian restaurant and bakery. It's about a 10 to 15 minute drive from downtown up on 54th Avenue North. You'll find that and a soon to be updated massive happy hour list on Saint PetersburgFoodies.com. This is normally where I say who will be on the show next week, but this is our last show. So I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in over the last three years. And if you're looking for some other food podcasts to check out, a few of my favorites are Milk Street, The Sporkful, The Zest, Eater's Digest, The Splendid Table, and Homemade. That's by All Recipes. My all-time favorite had been the Bon Appetit podcast. They stopped producing in June 2020, but they just relaunched. I only just found out about this now, but they relaunched a new version in June 2021 that I haven't listened to yet. So I can't vouch for the new one yet. But Go check out the old episodes. There's a lot of really good ones. And if you want to get in touch, just drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's
2: it. Our last episode for the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks to our guest, Mike Crippen.
0: And thanks to our sponsors,
2: St. Pete Meat and Provisions,
0: Trophy Fish, Dats, Rollin' Oats,
2: The Zest Podcast,
0: Noble Crust,
2: Booyah Ramen, and and Engine engine Number number 9. See ya!
3: Take this job and shove it I ain't working here no more